Welcome to Rehab Within Reach. We are your hosts, Dr. Chrissy Rankin, physical therapist and CrossFit Level 1 coach. And I'm Dr. Sarah Nelson, a physical therapist, and I'm board certified in women's health and lymphedema therapy, and I also hold a master's degree in orthopedic manual therapy. And I'm Dr. Shona Craig. I'm also a physical therapist, a board certified women's health clinical specialist, certified lymphedema therapist, and yoga teacher. We are a collective of women from various backgrounds who support each other and the community around us that have one thing in common, therapy solutions. This podcast will be addressing how the body, mind, and spirit work together to create our current state of being while offering a refreshing approach to how to create harmony within each system. Our treatment philosophy is to empower people through education by combining modern evidence-based practice with our innate primal wisdom in order to promote body literacy and compassion in your personal healing journey. Even though our professional background started in physical therapy, we take an integrative and holistic approach by addressing all systems of the body in order to bridge the gap between the current medical model in the United States and your ability to make autonomous decisions to achieve independence and wellness. This podcast is meant to challenge you to think in ways that may feel uncomfortable at first, but don't worry. Remember, our goal is to provide resources in order for you to make the best decisions for your well-being, which may go against what most of our society suggests is quote-unquote healthy or correct. As a reminder, this podcast does not replace the medical examination, assessment, and plan of care from a licensed medical provider who has seen you personally. Let's get started. Start with you telling us. Okay. Telling what, what do you mean? Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Oh, so we were trying to figure out our next topic today and we threw a couple things around and we landed on the idea that it that sometimes like we focus more on like the bad things that happen or the um or even if they're not bad just oh I, the things i could have done better or something like that instead of celebrating any of the small stuff or big stuff i also feel the big stuff we also don't celebrate sometimes either. I've not seen the recording happening. It is. Oh, okay. It says on my end. Does it usually say? It usually, usually I can tell that it's running. But... Oh, okay. No problem. I know they changed the, I can obviously edit this out. I, um, I know they changed the fate, the layout of it. So maybe, oh, okay. maybe it's just yeah, on it my end. Different. Oh, the timer's running, though. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm ready. (laughs) Perfect. It's certainly... that. I mean, that's what sells um, newspapers, right? That's what that's saying, like, what went wrong. Yeah, the negative side of things, or, you know, there's the the same misery loves company, and, you know, for some reason that the negative side or the sad side or the the bad side or whatever you want to call tends to be what we focus on and we can have like 10 great things and one bad thing and then we focus on the bad thing you know um I don't 
know if there's like human nature to it. Are we like hardwired for that? Um, I'm not hundred percent sure. I'm pretty sure it's human nature <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to look at what went wrong. Um, yes. It made me think of, um, well, the pandemic as an example mm-hmm. that there were good things that came out of this time. There's a lot of bad things, like over a million deaths. Yeah, yeah. And then, unfortunately, the things that we're seeing long-term, like lack to, lack of timely access to healthcare and long COVID situations and relationships and mental health issues, like there's definitely more out there. And at the same time, I think people were learning boundaries and people were learning how to prioritize things in their life that they weren't before or um there is a lot of a lot on the positive side too that came out of it as well i saw that the suicide rate took a dip during the pandemic yeah i heard that there was stress you know there was less pressure on people to for some people to perform less. I think, you know, healthcare workers, police, they had it kind of rough. Um, But uh, it was just a little easier in some ways. Yeah, I do miss sometimes the, the ability to say no more often. Um, I just looked up of like a, an article from skill path so this might not be great but it will be a place that we could start off with um but the there's an article from the new york times that said that the brain handles positive and negative information in different hemispheres of our brain So negative emotions generally involve more thinking and the information is processed more thoroughly than positive ones. And that makes sense. Like we know the limbic system and dopamine and all that kind of stuff is probably more lit up in the happy ones. And so then that's more emotional, whereas negative ones might be more frontal lobe. Let's keep reading, (laughs) which (laughs) frontal lobe is where we do more, um, critical thinking yeah decision making yes um and then it says thus we ruminate more about unpleasant events and use stronger words to describe them than happy ones and that seems to be like there's more of an impact from those negative ones so and that makes a lot of sense it's about surviving yeah well isn't that true i think feel like everything's always coming back to survival like I know that sounds so I mean obviously life is more beautiful than than survival there's more to it however it does feel like like survival is really the the press like the beginning and then everything else is on top of it yeah I'm thinking um there's an old buddhist a story that I will just hack. So it, um, but it's, you know, this guy has a horse and 
people say to him, oh, that's so good. You have a horse. And he says, good, bad, who knows? And uh, then the horse gets injured and his neighbors say, oh, that's bad. And he says, good, bad, who knows? And then um, then uh, the king's, king's men come around to construct conscript his son for war but he can't go because the horse uh horse is lame so he can't go on the horse so good bad who knows um and this tendency to label everything good and bad Mm -hmm. right up front is it's a very good exercise to try to go through a week and not say oh that's good or that's bad (laughs) i love that story i think about that story a lot for tell people too I always hack it as well but it's a good reminder yeah so yeah we were talking about how we tend to look at the bad things and not the good and stuff that's a good Um, yeah that's a good topic yeah I think about um if I spend too much on good I'm a Pollyanna and I'm going to miss out on something that's going to do damage. Mm. Like that's a worry that you have by, if you start Uh being too positive. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) We have an expression that our family goes way back. I mean, my, my family that my husband and I created, um, he he was told once he's a turd in the punch bowl guy. <laughs> oh no! So everybody's yeah. drinking out of the punch bowl, and he says, "Look, there's a turd floating in the punch bowl. No <laughs> one wants to hear it because they're all drinking out of it." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know, and that guy usually isn't invited to things. So yeah. no. <laughs> We'd rather not know. But yeah. also, I think I wouldn't want to know that. <laughs> I guess that's a common, I feel like that's a common tendency is like when things are going so well and we're happy, it's a common like anxiety to be like, oh no, but like something bad is going to happen. Like what's, what's going to happen next? Things are going too well. Mm -hmm. This can't be, this is too good. True. And I don't know. I just, I I think that's just mainly an anxiety, um, if anything, not necessarily a truth that... (laughs) is helpful to live by. I think you're, you got a point there. Cause if I'm having a good day, I have to, I'll notice this low grade buzz of what's around the corner. You know, what, what am I missing? What do I have to do? Or Yeah. Or something's going to pop up. Like, let me prepare, yeah. let me prepare myself mentally or that, that negative thing that might, may or may not actually come. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a good one too. Just understanding that we either we worry for nothing because it doesn't happen or you wonder how much we manifest when we're content, you know, continuously worried about something and waiting for the sad or the bad or something like that. And is there energy behind it that actually manifest that scenario happening and true like self-fulfilling prophecy yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) I felt that a lot with coaching um and how uh like I experienced when I was 
a freshman in college, I played, um, like, I played varsity starting uh, softball um, in, at the university. It was my freshman year. And my coach was just like that. She was, as soon as she determined what your worth was to her as a coach, she would create that environment to maintain you in that position. So like at one point I was having a hitting slump and I went up to her and I said, Hey, like I need, like I need more help. Like I want more practice. I need like more reps. Can you help me? And she was like, Oh no, 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 you're fine. I'm like, wait, you, I'm not living up to my own expectations. I'm not living up to your expectations. I'm letting my team down and at the time I was way more of a people pleaser and like really into it I'm like I'm gonna lose my spot like all this stuff like in my head and I remember how terrible I felt because of that and that lack of support and that lack of of guidance from a trusted professional and, and leader of mine And then, so then when I did, and I think it's because she had that self-fulfilling prophecy for me of like, this is what your, this is like what your, what your worth is. Right. And so she made sure that it happened and probably subconsciously. I don't, I don't want to think that she was consciously wanting me to fail or wanting me to do not as great as I would like to. Uh, She at least subconsciously did things that allowed it I think to become more of a reality and so when I was coaching also with teenagers I really tried to make sure that that didn't happen that I I didn't have a destiny for anybody and I wasn't going to make sure that I that I put my my subjective mindset into it and like we're going to stay objective and we're going to work through this or something like that it sounds like, correct me if you're, if I'm wrong, it sounds like, like she, she, when she got comfortable with you and your role on the team, it's sort of, she kept you in this box mm-hmm. of her comfort zone. Yeah. And then like, if you wanted to change in any way or advance or evolve, it's like, she was uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Um, in whatever then, way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just sounds like, like that's such a common thing just in really like relationships mm-hmm. in general with a partner, like with a teammate or a friend it, where we get comfortable with how somebody is. And then it's like threatening in a way to your mm-hmm. comfort zone if they want to change. Um, so we just stay, stay in that box to keep everybody comfortable. Yeah. I don't know what that is, but <laughs> just, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And you can base that off of, like you said, anything. Like when you start going to counseling and start learning new techniques to to help yourself, and then your family's like, "Oh, like you've mm-hmm. changed," and like, but it's in like a negative tone, not necessarily in a positive. Right? Like, why are you doing that? Yeah. Why are you getting up earlier? Why are you? I'm thinking of self care now. Like, why are you? going to bed early like that's not what you usually do (laughs) it can be hard to make those changes 
um, in a positive way and then, and then have to deal with everybody else's like reactions to you um, changing. And I think that's part of why it's so hard to evolve in, in many ways. I think that there's an idea, I know different sources of it, but anyway, that we're, we're like a constellation in our relationships. And so you have the solar system, you have uh, the planets circulating in their patterns. If anybody shifts their position, it throws off the whole solar system. You know, all your, all your relationships are, are thrown off because you're on a different path. And Mm -hmm. so those other relationships will do something to get you to change back. Wow, yeah. that's like scary. I love that analogy. <laughs> it sounds like so scary <laughs> to throw everybody off, especially There's if you're a people pleaser mm-hmm. and want to keep the peace. It's, it makes it more challenging. There's the book, um, The Dance of Anger. Can't think of the author right now, but it, it's a book about women's anger. And she talks about this. And how much anxiety it produces to have people move away from their the patterns that you're used to seeing in them. There's that. And then the other thing, too, that's weird is the, the com- competition with children. <laughs> you know, oh, wow. right? Being threatened by a, a skillful younger, younger person. Oh, interesting. Um, that's very unconscious oh yeah well, like well, in a, was, a parent being threatened by their own child because yeah that's not unusual and... that happens and uh-huh. I think that's where the survival instinct come in, comes in or you know where you know oh this person has more resources or more um, skills or more adaptability and so therefore they're more able to survive and it's a threat to your own, your own being. Wow, I never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me neither. That's so interesting. Especially having a kid now. I've never. That was, that's a good frame to understand. Oh, it's very interesting with kids. This might be off topic, but as as they grow, like the ages that they grow through, um. Any experiences that you had at that age, somehow it's like your body, it comes back up. Yeah. And then um, you'll, like, you'll really jive with your kid at certain ages, but then they get to other ages and you don't jive very well. I think that's a great time to go, what was going on in my life when I was that age? Okay. Yeah. I like that. Maybe you didn't jive with a parent at that age, too. Or, yeah, or something, you know, major was going on in my life at that time or. Wow. Of course, it can be lots of things, you know, Mm -hmm. relationship is complicated, but that, that tissue memory. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess if you understand that, then, then that's an opportunity for you to heal some of that stuff that's stuck in there. Absolutely. But if you don't have that frame, then you're sort of blind to it. I don't really know why you're feeling this way. Mm-hmm. We had, you know, well, we were young parents, but watching, you know, we would also, like there were ages where my husband did better with the kids and, and then next year I was doing better with them and it just oscillate. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I guess being familiar with your, your bad. See, that's the thing. Okay. There's another thing. I love shadow work. I, the idea of looking at, um, what, what I hide about myself um, and understanding that all the stuff that I would consider bad has actually helped me to be a happier, healthier person. Yeah. Um, but I also, the caveat is to come to the point of seeing it as all good. That was all, it ta- all taught me things and I didn't remain in um, victim mode or anything like that with, or use the bad. <laughs> um, right. Or just sort of see it as like that story of just, it all just is. It all just is. Yes. Like. Um, but I see what you mean, like when something seems bad that you sort of can shift into, um, I don't know, using it and, or healing through it or, or using it as a, what am I saying? Like a driver for evolution, um, to come closer to yourself or to become clearer. I always um, love that um, image that I guess I'm just having that image now of like what Ram Dass talks about of polishing the mirror and mm. you know, we're all just trying to get closer to your true self, your true voice um, and all those smudges on the mirror are, are things that, you know, traumas or things that we can continue to polish um, and use as a, as a, a way to get closer to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, I think of, so in the last three years, I've lost two parents, a sister, and um, my granddaughter's decided that she doesn't want anything to do with me. Hopefully that'll change in the future. But uh, anyway, that's where we are right now. And we could all label this stuff as bad <laughs> and um, and become a sad story. But I, you know, so people pass on it's part of life so but i don't want to um i don't want to get caught up in the sadness of it i don't want to completely forget these people i don't want to stop being happy i want to honor the 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 people that i've had the joy of spending time with that i can't spend time with anymore um so there's a major relabel of something we might call as bad. Mm. Yeah. And, and you wonder too, like when you look back at your relationships that may, might've had bad situations or less than ideal situations. And then you can, when they are gone, you can reframe them as like, this was a learning lesson or um, this, uh, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was or something like that. I'm sure we can reframe it too as we're reflecting on our, our tendencies. Yeah. Or like, what was it that was triggered within myself? Um, or uh, what's caught like, I guess, cause we think of people as mirrors. Like what is it that is reflected in me that came up during this time? And, 
how how to work with that but i don't Mm -hmm. know this is all hard stuff (laughs) it is well yeah reframing it from bad sure is uh i think important for one's own happiness (laughs) yeah uh yeah to be able to do that um i think i've spent time on remembering the good stuff with all those people i guess Uh, it's very easy to get caught in like in victimhood mm -hmm. for a while it's like you go Mm -hmm. through the stuff stuff and then i guess eventually you get to decide when you're gonna like mentally change or mentally shift so that you're not just feeling like a victim forever it's nice to stay in that right like yeah the other part of it to get out of that is so hard yeah this actually this is a very good topic I'm thinking of the many times in my life where I got hung up on this there's another good book it's called healing your aloneness um Mm -hmm. and uh she does this great job of showing all the ways that we, the things we get addicted to besides alcohol and substances. But one of them was depression, which was really a blow to me. And Richard Moss, he talks about depressive specialness, specialness. Like I'm special because I am depressed. Poor me. (laughs) And depression's a serious thing, you know, so to, take a step back from it. And for me, I'm going to speak of me and to look at how do I, how was I using depression as an excuse to back out of responsibilities? Yeah. You can weaponize it. Absolutely. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. You blame other people and not put any responsibility on yourself. And Mm -hmm. yeah. Huh. I've thought about that in terms of, I think, I, I think that, um, when I uh, work with other people or in my relationships with other people, um, that's a main trigger for me. Like if I feel like somebody is very victim-y or like always blaming other people and is so sad because their life, blah, blah, blah. Like I like can't deal and I'll like run away <laughs> or I'll like go into my um, uh, um, runaway mode, avoidance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean I'm sure there's a lot there for me like maybe that's because I do the same or that's triggering something within myself that I don't like about myself um I don't know I'm just reflecting I just you saying that Sarah like makes me so anxious for some reason I'm like oh no like no <laughs> I hate I just can't deal with that energy <laughs> for some reason <laughs> well it's probably like touching something that maybe you subconsciously yeah. have done in the past and right <laughs> and you're like so much more aware now that you're like oh gosh yeah yeah I know that whenever I get this triggered I'm like okay like I gotta look at it within myself but yeah. I don't know oh it's a really tough one because <laughs> you don't um this is okay John Barnes had this thing like you know so he's a guy who does myofascial release, right? And they'll have dialogue. And somebody, I remember, you know, somebody saying, oh, I just, I just want to die. And, and that's where we all run to the rescue and we're taught, run right. to the rescue. Do you have a plan? Do you have a weapon? Right? Right. Don't, 
and he asked him, what would that feel like to die? <laughs> he just like, go right into well, that feeling. <laughs> Tell me more. And I, I guess I'm laughing because it just seems reckless. <laughs> you know, we've, uh, there's a, there's a, um, a fragility or a vulnerability to, um, to depression that you don't want to. Um, well, I guess of John Barnes, it doesn't, he, he's not allowing them to just go into victimhood because I feel like that's the thing. The victims attract the rescuers and then feed off of that rescuer mentality. Like, mm. Oh yeah, save me somebody but when you <laughs> perspective of like, Oh, Oh, you're not just gonna like save me. We're actually going to say, you're just going to sit here with me. Mm-hmm. Like that's a big shift. Yeah. Yeah. And so the the term de- depressive specialness it's it's really like kind of a little bit of a s- slap in the face. It is. <laughs> oh, dear. Like also with John Barnes, which I think that's fascinating, and and what a he is like the personification of duality, like that because it's it's just like his presence and like his ability to do that are like two separate things I feel um but you also wonder if like the person like instead of us thinking like immediately like which is a serious thing about like if someone's saying that they don't want to live like okay we need to take this seriously right and we can also say like well is it is this a a like a physical thing where like you physically don't want to be here or is there a part of you that you're like I can feel that dying off or like I need to get rid of that part of me and so then something else can rebirth like I think the little series always talk about like we learn the best through the silence and Hmm. that would be like a great example of like instead of throwing gas on the fire it's let's sit with it for a second where is this coming from? And then that can help me determine like if I need to call somebody, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like actually sit with it and listen to that voice. Yeah. Like it just really wants to be heard. Maybe not necessarily wants to be rescued. Mm-hmm. It just wants to scream like, or, mm-hmm. yeah, or say something. It can be powerful. So being in a depressive mindset, I think it's one of the, the times where we tend to see everything is bad. Yeah. Yeah. And can make a list of all the things that are going wrong or that are hard to do. Yeah. Then you wonder if that's like also like social currency, right? Like, Oh, I have these five things going on in my life and they're more terrible than your five things that are going on in your life. (laughs) And it keeps me in my social ladder. Yeah definitely a thing yeah and then yet why can't we then say like oh here's the five well it's because whenever we talk about the positive things in our life people are like you're bragging or you're you know you're insensitive to other people's difficulties and you're like oh I guess I'll just learn to just be the turd in the in the yeah, for some reason, sometimes it is harder to talk about all the good things in your life. Mm-hmm. That's probably even like a social construct. Like, yeah, we were kind of subconsciously taught to to have that mindset of 
we like bond over complaining we bond over drama yeah this is the um the way the different churches display um christ right like did i say this already (laughs) no um well so the catholics jesus is perpetually on the cross suffering Mm -hmm. And, and so having grown up as a catholic there was a time in my adulthood where i had to let go of that model of i need to suffer <clears throat> so then the um protestants and I, I, you know like i i spent a lot of time in the lutheran church um christ is off the cross it's an empty cross because the work is done and then there's a church here in town that i don't know if they still do but at one time they had a laughing jesus at the front of the church <laughs> It's all done. Let's just have a good time. (laughs) (laughs) That's so fascinating. Yeah, I do. That's that's such a huge deal, though. Like your one symbol, like main. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have Buddha, the Buddha for Buddhism, Mm -hmm. the laughing Buddha, or just the peace. Very peaceful, usually. Um, I don't know Hinduism. I'm not sure what their main one symbol is they have lots of symbols mm-hmm. um, yes or um um muslim what's their mm-hmm. symbol hmm. well, judaism is the star yeah so it is kind of i mean with christianity it's like a suffering symbol mm-hmm. and so then yeah, life so becomes a series of suffering and huh like suffering, I feel like, is a big deal in many religions. True. Um, I guess with Buddhism, it's there, you know, suffering is inevitable, and or that's the main mm-hmm. reason. Or suffering just is. <laughs> and then enlightenment is to, you know, work through that suffering. But, but I feel like a lot of religion, then, again, back to weaponization, like we're going to weaponize your suffering uh, right. to make some gain, right? Where and I'm sure there's within all the religions there are are people, are there's congregations or sects of that religion that don't won't do that. So I can't generalize everybody. Um, I always have appreciated with back to duality, like how Buddhism seems to like not put labels or or not put um what's the word um as much emphasis on one or the other it just like you said it just is and we're okay with just is like we don't have to have a a modifier we don't have to have a i forget i don't even know what the word i'm trying to figure out like judgments or yeah that might be it yeah now i know man suffering is such a big topic i for some reason just remember there's some story maybe maybe it comes from a religion of why like they made some story over why women have to suffer in childbirth mm-hmm. um and uh, i think it ha oh man maybe i won't do this justice i think it has to do with the adam and eve story yeah and, yeah i've heard that okay yeah women from- suffer in childbirth because of the fall from Oh, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Which I think is not fair or not right to, to say yeah. that. Okay. So then before, 
that's so oh my gosh that is so <laughs> like oh I guess that's just a burden oh. now that I have to carry because of this story um that we did what God told us not to do so right. we must suffer <sighs> and it's right. all our fault <laughs> Right, and then that's just blame and shame and, like, keeping women down, like, and not allowing women to be in their power. Um, Yeah, I mean, going through childbirth, I don't don't think I suffered because of anything. I think that was just part of my, like, enlightenment journey of, I know, my screaming and pain. I felt like it was more coming from clearing generational trauma <laughs> mm-hmm. I also think there's a difference between suffering and like objectively knowing that something is difficult like mm-hmm. I yes obviously childbirth is is very very difficult and we can say that we're suffering we can also reframe it and think of it as like this pain is a transformate is a transformative nature and the process of bringing a child from one side of the veil to the other side of the veil, there is like a sacrifice given in some capacity. And I think of suffering as like more of like, like to say that women are supposed to suffer because of whatever Eve decided to do. Um, suggest like you deserve to also be like punished during it so then it allows like medical trauma to happen because like oh you deserve it so you deserve like potential sexual trauma like sexual assault you know as you're giving birth or unnecessary uh unnecessary medical interventions or and in, in that you, you like, I'm going to purposely make it harder for you so that that happens. And that's, that's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I think it allows for women to be afraid of childbirth and afraid of that suffering. Um, and then they look for the rescuing of the medical system, which oh, gosh. doesn't necessarily help you find your power in childbirth. And, um, but yeah, I mean, those stories from religions are, are powerful and sort of ingrained in our culture. And I, it, I'm hoping that as we go forward, we can, like, bring more awareness to giving power back to women and not, yeah, putting that blame or shame on us um, because of stories. I don't know. <laughs> They're a form of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that there's a lot to ponder there. That's big. Yeah. Uh, um, that, we're getting into like women's. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> what there, but it makes me realize that there's another assumption here about what is bad and that pain is bad. That's very true. Mm-hmm. And that there are times when pain isn't bad. It's just mm-hmm. part of the experience. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, technically, they can't live without pain because you would yeah. die. It's our warning system. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, like, then it goes to, yeah, like the pain in my childbirth was 
beyond any pain limit I ever thought possible, but I don't looking I don't really see it as bad. It was actually extremely empowering to like go through that process in my home birth and with midwives with people who really supported me through it, my partner and um, I was lucky to be surrounded by people who supported me in my power. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Childbirth is a great example, but even joint pain, you know, mm-hmm. back pain. I like to think of if I woke, if I wake up with a pain, that's today's meditation mm-hmm. is to be with my body in its pain and with the, the, my goal is by the end of the day to be out of pain because I've, because of the relationship I establish with myself and with, with that part of my body to figure out why is, why is that happening right there? It's like a message that Mm -hmm. we can either choose to ignore or listen to. And usually it has something really important to say. Yeah. So, I mean, those are all the little good things in it where you can discover thought patterns that are creating tension or, um, you know, you can find, I can find lines of tension in my body. Like, oh, my ankle's hurting because my hip is not in its, it's not holding in the socket. Yeah. And my thumb is hurting this morning. Um, and I'm like thinking, huh, maybe I'm lifting Gordy funny or I'm, who knows, maybe there's an emotional component there too that I could sit with. But yeah, I guess the idea is that if I were just to ignore it or like take a painkiller, then I would continue whatever habit or physical habit, emotional habit, mental strain, um, and then it would just get worse or manifest in different ways in my body. So labeling something as bad is a way to just cover it back up and remain unconscious to all the things it's, it has to teach us. Yeah. I think, and I think in that regard too, we have to be active an active participant in our, in our awakening or in our consciousness and, a lot of people, that's exhausting for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they don't have the, they don't have the skills in order to make it not exhausting. Um, or they haven't opened to the possibility that life is not supposed to be passive. It's supposed to be active. Life is not happening to you. You know, we are experiencing life as is and, I think it's easier. It, obviously, it's easier to be passive and subconscious, and it's exhausting not to be. So, yeah, it gets back to that, you know, falling into the victim role mm-hmm. and just wanting somebody else to rescue you or ignore it. Or yeah. it's a it's a whole mindset shift that would be nice if we all were taught since we were kids to mm-hmm. listen to our bodies in that way, but a reframe our pain as not negative or positive. It just is, and we can listen to it. Um, 
but it is hard like if you're an adult just learning this for the first time it's like a totally different way of being I think it's just difficult for humans in mm-hmm. general of all ages to I remember um just thinking oh how come I have to always grow you know like <laughs> this was as an adult trying to work through um you know the issues that I <clears throat> you know I had done everything that they tell you to do <clears throat> to be happy and um you know get married have kids have a job that's meaningful and I was still not happy so that's around the time where I started seeking a counselor again and working at it and like, why do I have to always work at it? (laughs) And I think that's my mind's posture that I prefer to be, I prefer my slump mental posture to trying to think about how to enlighten my brain and wake up. Just like when I find places in my body that, um, the muscles have shut off and to try and get those working again. It's, it's feels like, ugh, ugh, yuck. It's too hard. (laughs) Yeah. And, and bad is a way to say, I don't want to deal with this. This is just bad. So I'm setting it over there and I don't have to deal with it. (laughs) That's so fascinating. Now I'm like really curious what my thought is with the, that like that comes up so much in yoga I think especially the Iyengar yoga where they they really focus on bringing consciousness to every part of your body mm-hmm. and I don't know what I think when there is a part of my body that feels dark or like uh um numb or something or not turning on I don't know I'm just curious what what my I bet everyone sort of has a different sort of like experience with that and then that sort of maybe reflects in life when mm-hmm. you're trying to bring light on something. Mm-hmm. This is sort of like, I feel like overlapping into the other topic we were like oh. talking about recording at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And to think like this, <laughs> this all started from the idea, this idea. And I love the fact that we went from, which we didn't talk about what, where the spark was from, but we, it, we, um, on our group chat, it was all about the fact that, you know, this is our, we're recording right now our 26th episode. So that means we've been doing this for more than a year. And wow. the tendency for us to be like, oh, maybe we weren't as consistent as we would like to be. But yeah, we've been doing this for a year. Like, like having being able to produce like the things that we've produced and having some patients recently really telling us about how much it's helped them and it's like but yet we still think about oh we could be more consistent or maybe that episode wasn't as great as it was what like that we wanted it to be and then we get people who are like oh my god I loved it you know <laughs> like um yeah. and we've been showing up for a year you know like that's it's so easy for us to just like, oh, we did three episodes and like no one's listening and like, right. oh, here we go, like self fulfilling you know, prophecy of like no one wants to listen or no one wants to do the work and in reality, like you just keep showing up consistently, 
something yeah. will shift, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, so I think it's for us for showing up and supporting each other and supporting other people and mm-hmm. learning through the process here and yeah, it's just hard nice topics. To like even just get together and I like just really enjoy these conversations. I don't know. I do too. I'm glad we've kept them going. Yes. It's like the best part of working together continues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we had like hundreds of these chats before we started to record them. Mm-hmm. We're always like, oh man, we should have recorded that. That was really an epic talk. And, and then we finally did exactly. start recording them. So it's like mm-hmm. good on us for just mm-hmm. doing it. <laughs> yeah. And I also too, like how we went from like where we are to where we are now in just this episode today, like is exactly yeah. in the all over the multiple things that we would do in the office too. So Right. Did we start this before Gordy was born? Yeah. Uh yes. I think we did, yeah. Yep. And then I was MIA for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so yes, that's happened. right. We did. Cause you we went through your pregnancy. Oh. Well, let's look. Whoa. Yeah. Huh. Let's see. Our first one was, because I know we, we, we like, we pre-recorded a bunch because we knew that you were having baby. Hmm. Right. Our first one uploaded on August 10th. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gordy was born September 28th. Yeah. And we did like pre recorded before the August 10th one too. So it's been a long time in the making. Cool. And I love too the shift of it. Like I, I think in the beginning, we really try to, I think, educate people as much as we can on the physiology and pathology of certain things. And then it's morphed into this more of casual conversation and enlightenment through talking about things. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Personal experience. Hmm. Rather, yeah. yeah, rather than what does the science say? Although there's a little science that does come in here. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And unfortunately, like science hasn't caught up with a lot of the things we talk about. Like, how can we objectively measure uh, uh, suffering? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. how can we objectively measure anything that we're talking about? Like, I, we can't, you know, at least now, the technology that we have now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then science is just one little part because it, and that really is holism. You have to take from all philosophies to understand the complexity of the human, and and to boil it down to science, it um, you'll miss parts. Mm-hmm. And but leaving science out is also an error. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that people are enjoying it. That just like really makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great chat. Yeah. Do you guys want to? Um, do you want to do this on? 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our group tends to have these fantastic discussions, and we always ask ourselves why we haven't recorded any of them. And now, here we are. If you are interested in more content, we'll be releasing new episodes every other Monday. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Therapy Solutions PLLC. That PLLC is super important. This is the Rehab Within Reach podcast, where all are encouraged to experience wholeness and independence. See you soon.